Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. It's that time of year again, folks. Ivana and I declare the definitive top 10 new TV shows of 2019. It's time for a top 10 turf war. If you are a fan of this show, you'll know that every year Ivana and I figure out a top 10 turf war to determine our favorite TV shows of the year. Now, there is a caveat. The show has to have premiered in 2019. So shows like Game of Thrones or The Good Place, which may have been on years past, do not qualify. Right. There is one more rule to this list. If it is a documentary or an unscripted series, that does not qualify either. We are going scripted series all the way here. And this is how we kick off our new season of More Than Movies. Welcome to season four, everybody. We're sorry uh, the last one didn't go to plan. Uh, Big life events. (laughs) You know what? We could blame it on anything. Let's just say Jay got lazy and we didn't get together. All we're saying is we also have a New Year's resolution this year, and that's to be a little bit more regular in our programming. It's always fun to do these top 10 lists with you, Ivana, because we, you know, historically have different tastes. We have some overlapping tastes and we have some different tastes, and I think that's what makes it a good comprehensive list for the average viewer of television absolutely i mean like your number one movie of last year surprised the hell out of me it was nowhere near my top 10 and it was your number one of the year and you're absolutely right you know you listening at home you get a whole bunch of different types of awesome content and maybe something you'll you'll be like oh ivana really likes this show maybe i should check it out I, i i didn't even know it existed uh, or I'll say something and you'll go, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but why don't you kick off the very first show of the year with our number 10 on your list? The number 10 on my list uh, premiered in the summer. And I think it's a pretty fun show. It is Miracle Workers. Oh, yeah. This is one that didn't come to Canada, and I completely overlooked it. You told me it was amazing. What's the premise of the show again? Miracle Workers is such a fun comedy. I would say it's almost like a workplace comedy, and it takes place entirely in heaven. Um, We have an all-star cast. Steve Buscemi plays God, Um, And Daniel Radcliffe plays an angel who works on small miracles. That's his assignment. And the show opens when we have a new up-and-coming angel played by Geraldine Viswanathan. Viswanathan. Well, that's a tricky name. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I have to apologize. But she's a very good actor. And she then also recruits other angels to sort of help with her. And the other one who's probably the most famous, his name is Karen Sony, and he is the taxi driver from the Deadpool movies. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. basically, uh, very quickly in the show, you come to realize God, played by Steve Buscemi, decides that, you know what? I think it's time to wipe out the human race and let's just restart again. And they have to prove to him that the human race should not be wiped out. And their ability to do so is with these small miracles. It's on television right now, actually, in Canada. It's back on television or? No, no, no. It premiered in early 2020. I forget what network. Oh, I should. uh, Okay, I got to check this out right now. I've got my little, I've actually got my guide open because I'm like, you know, Yvonne is going to say some things. And I am going to want to absolutely really quickly just record the upcoming episodes because why wouldn't you want it? Like, we are in the age of TV where you could just like from an app say record. So why wouldn't I just do this? The show is not perfect. It's definitely 10 and not one for a reason. Um, But that being said... It's a really fun show. Daniel Radcliffe is great. 
And the best thing about the show by far is Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi as God is some of the funniest television I've seen in a long, long time. It's partly how he plays the character. And um, so I, I just think he's the most brilliant thing. If they could do more Steve Buscemi, it would be all the better. Nice. I am all in. It's on CTV Comedy. So I have already starred and favorited this. I will watch it. I, I might watch the first episode as soon as we're done recording here because I, I I really wanted to get to this one and just didn't. So my number 10 is FX's What We Do in the Shadows. This is, it, I, I'm assuming this is on your list, Ivana. Um, it is actually a little below number 10, but it is pretty high up there, so... We can talk about it. I am very happy to see that it's on your list. Okay, yes. So number 10, uh, basically the premise is you're following these immortal vampires who are trying to get along in society today. It is entirely based on that Taika Waititi film um, with uh, Germaine Clement uh, and Taika Waititi both writing the script for the movie. And yeah. they are actually involved in the series as well as executive producers. And I believe they have writing credits and Taika might have done the pilot. Doesn't matter. This is hilarious. Watching these vampires try and figure out how the new world works. Yeah, they still call like America today the new world. It's hilarious. From the very first episode where... They have an elder coming in and they have to have everything ready for them to the ridiculous antics of their familiar who kind of can't stand that he's still a familiar and not a vampire yet. Um, everything about this show is hilarious. My favorite vampire on the show is the one that everybody hates, the uh, emotional Energy vampire. Energy vampire. Yes. Yes. And honestly, I think my biggest critique of the show is I could have seen more episodes of him in that office. You wouldn't want too much of it, but I wish it was a little bit more all throughout um, because, man, was it funny. There is a great episode where there is another energy vampire who joins the office yeah. and it's a standoff. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. I can't tell you enough. Watch what we do in the shadows. It is scheduled to come back to FX for a second season. In my opinion, the first season is just great. So, you know, where you can, you watch it. All right, Ivana, what is your number nine on your list? I believe it's a limited series. I'm pretty confident it's a limited series. And it is The Loudest Voice. It is definitely a limited series. It didn't make it onto my list, but it's a very close. It's like number 11. So what? Uh, why is The Loudest Voice number nine on your list? Honestly, the show just had me constantly wanting to go back for more. I was very entertained. I'm not even a massive Russell Crowe fan, but I think he was really perfect for uh, to play Roger Ailes. And I know that we obviously have a big movie right now out in theaters, Bombshell, and this is very much talking about the same content. I haven't seen Bombshell yet, but it is on my list of two things to watch. So I can't say how it compares, but I can say that I I enjoyed the series um, partly because I was so horrified by Roger Ailes and the life he was able to lead. I don't think you can underestimate how much Fox News is a part of our culture right now, especially in this moment in history, and he created it, so it it's fascinating to watch. Well, and I think that's the going to be the big difference between the loudest voice and Bombshell is the Bombshell is really going to talk about that big Me Too movement, where the loudest voice, the first couple episodes, really go into how Fox News was built how much hate this guy has, what happened in those early days, how 9-11 propelled Fox News into the, like the stratosphere. And then you really dive into how horrible a person this guy is. I think that's part of it is like he's horrible, not just in, from, the, from the standpoint of what he does to women, which is disgusting, 
But he also almost treats news in that same way. He uses and abuses news. He doesn't want to inform people. He wants to have ratings. Yeah, just a shitty, shitty person. Which I'm going to move on to. Maybe not a shitty person, but a shitty organization. And that is my number nine in On Becoming a God in Central Florida. Oh, that is later in my list. Okay, let's, uh, we'll talk about that when we get a little bit closer down the list to you. But uh, what is your number eight then? We all know that I have had a lot of superhero fatigue uh, recently. Uh, This is actually a superhero show, but not your usual one. My number eight is The Boys, which is an Amazon Prime series. Okay, so I do love superheroes. feel like I've seen the same thing over and over. And The Boys was refreshingly different. It gave superheroes, but in a whole different view. It had a different angle. The show had a different tone. It was a bit more comedic and then kind of dark. And I really enjoyed it. The Boys was very interesting off the top, especially the government involvement to place superheroes in specific cities and that they had like an agenda for these superheroes. So I don't know what exactly in my brain happened, but I just never went back to it. So it's definitely in my overall arching year. I just fell off. I think at that time you said it was a little dark for you and that's why you didn't return to it. It was summertime. Definitely. And the show is a lot more dark. Real world superheroes. What would that look like? These people are celebrities. They're going out to nightclubs. They're having sex with each other. There's Me Too moments. And it continues to sort of escalate to this idea of who is in control. There's that concept that power corrupts. The more power you have, the more you can be corrupted. And does that happen? And... I I like where the show goes. I really enjoyed watching it. And so I, I thought it was great. And a new look at superheroes. So if you like superheroes, but you're feeling a little bit of fatigue, try this. It's very different. My number eight on my list is uh, the big push from Apple TV Plus right off the hop. And that was The Morning Show starring Steve Carell. And Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston in this film, uh, this film, I should say this, this series is almost exactly the story we know of Matt Lauer. I did not know that going into this at all. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I know that much about the Matt Lauer story. So uh, it this is all about Me Too. It's all about sexual harassment. Like the show is excellent. I don't know if you had a chance to see anything. on. I, I have. Plus. I've seen uh I haven't finished it, but I am quite a ways through it. So Steve Carell basically plays a guy who is fired in the very first episode. This is not a spoiler. It is what the show is about. And he is basically pushed out because of how he has treated women. And there's been a lot of complaints. And in the wake of Harvey Weinstein, he is pushed out. Basically... The same way Matt Lauer was pushed out. What show was Matt Lauer on? Good Morning America. Okay. But here's the thing about the morning show. It's who else knew about it and why would they cover that up? It's it's fascinating. Honestly, it's like whose head is going to roll? How are they going to have this show without the male lead co-host that everybody loves too? I don't well, know. Well, and everyone, me, of course, is like worried, like, is Jennifer Aniston getting too old? What I like about this show, too, is they address the fact that that was never a question for Steve Carell. It's only a question for her. I really enjoyed the show. I watched it very, very quickly because I, I, I was like incensed to just get through as quickly as I could because I wanted more of the story. And that might have to do with my years in radio and broadcasting and live television uh, now working with uh, the station that we work at. It's on my list, number eight. So let's move on to number seven on your list. Uh, It's a comedy, The Unicorn. Okay, let's talk about The Unicorn. I love The Unicorn. It didn't make the top 10 at the end of the year, but it is, I think it had, out of every single show from this fall, it had the best pilot. I will say the pilot definitely was the best. I really like where it's going. 
I'm actually shocked. So the main character in it uh, is played by an actor named Walton Goggins. And he was in another 2019 show called The Righteous Gemstones, where he plays this really skeezy televangelist who's now no longer as famous as he used to be. And when the show, when I saw previews for the show, I was like, oh, this guy who pulled off this very skeezy character so well in Righteous Gemstones, I was like, how is he going to be a likable single dad in this show called The Unicorn? But he's really likable and he's really good I as, love at, him. as the dad. He's great. He sells the show for me. And as well as Rob Cordry, 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 how do you say his name? Cordry, yeah, you had it. And um, they, to me, they're just so freaking funny. As well as uh, Michaela Watkins and Maya Lynn Robinson, I feel like those are like the standouts of the cast. Who is who plays Rob Cordry's wife? Is that Maya or Mackenzie? Uh, Michaela. Michaela, sorry. She is hilarious. She's hilarious. I love her. Um, but both the females, I feel like they have their own spins and they're both really funny. Um, so I just really like the show. It's easy to watch. It's a half hour sitcom, but it's elevated as far as half hour sitcoms go. All right. Well, my number seven is an Amazon Prime show. It is my first animated show on the list. And it is a little show called Undone. And Undone is a science fiction dramedy. It is yeah. a bizarre show. Um, I don't know what it is about this show that kept me enraptured with it, but it's done in that scanner darkly. It's real people, but animated. Yeah, like they, they film it and then they animate it on top of the actual Rotoscope. Acting. That's what it's called. It's rotoscoping. Yes. But more importantly, it's this weird story about what happened in this person's life and trying to get through the truth by doing basically superhero magic time travel in your own brain, which is very complicated. But I don't know. I liked it. And I heard it's getting a second season, and I think that's wrong. I think this is a perfect one season story it ends beautifully and it, i mean it has to do with mental health because there's a lot of mental blocks that she goes back to that when she sees a memory differently she's like oh shit that's not the way i remembered it at all and you know because the perspective of time changes entirely how you remember things that you remember as a child um anyway it's an interesting one. It's not going to be for everybody, but it definitely was for me, and it is number seven on my list. So now we are moving on to your number six. My number six is a procedural, which is rare for me because I don't usually Very rare. Those. I love when this happens. Yeah. And you know what? I love the show. And week to week, I watch it. Like I'm like, yes, it's, you know, Stumptown Day. So the show is Stumptown. Uh, I did not think that this would be something that I got super excited about. Um, it's with Kobe Smolders and um, Jake Johnson in the leads, as well as Michael Ely. And the the pilot grabbed me, I think, partly because of the music. The show has me coming back again and again and again, because even though there's always a mystery of the week, there's a lot of room available for character development and the character development goes forward in the show and I'm just really enjoying getting to know these characters it's very grounded I kind of wish that I mean I understand why you a television show isn't going to have the budget to be able to do the music they did in the first few episodes all throughout but I do that's probably the one thing I kind of am sad they don't have as much of anymore is like the freaking awesome soundtrack because that definitely helps to elevate it and fits. I mean, I'm so glad that Stumptown is in your list. It's right out again. It's another right outside that 10. It's a fun show. It's a fun show. So my next one uh, is not on your list. I'm going so far to say it is not on your list. And that is the Mandalorian 
I'm pretty sure it's not on your list. It's not on my list. Uh, you know what, though? It's funny. I've seen four episodes, and I think I forgot to rate it, but it was never going to be in the top ten. So I knew it was never going to be in the top. Here's the thing about The Mandalorian. We don't know his real name. We know the, his backstory a little bit, like he came into this sort of cult of Mandalorians. And that's all we know about him. So this is not a huge character development story for our hero. We know he's a good guy because of what happens with him and our our lovely Baby Yoda. Oh, Baby Yoda is so amazing. But there is no it is a it is a straight procedural because every episode's a different story and you learn nothing. Oh, and watch more character of the Mandalorian until the very last episode. It's like plot and beauty. I mean, it's beautiful. Let me just say this. Mandalorian is one of the most beautiful television shows that has come out this past year. I love the practical effects. To be honest, the thing that keeps me going back is just the baby Yoda character development, which I find so in, like enthralling. It's just everything else. It's like a, you know, one-off Western. I wouldn't even say it's a procedural because it's not like a mystery of the week. It's it's like a, a new, they're, they're just traveling into different towns and then new things happen every week. I don't know why I like this show as much as I do. I just really enjoyed the hell out of every Friday at popping up and watching a new Star Wars adventure. And maybe, maybe it's because it's the best Star Wars thing we got in 2019. Yes, that's right. Rise of Skywalker will sure as shit not be in my top 10 this year. <laughs> Nowhere near it. The Mandalorian, John Favreau says, I have money. I'm going to do it my way. And for some reason, they're like, sure. So it looks amazing. These battles are insane. It's action heavy a little bit. So I that's another like drawback if you are not a huge action fan. The Mandalorian was like the biggest thing to hit, you know, television. Number one show in the world when it was on. Yeah. Like, so I think that they're obviously I'm happy it's on your list because the zeitgeist of where the world is, people like it. I It just wasn't going to be on my list because I'm much more drawn to characters. And they totally. only show so much Baby Yoda in an episode. I know, but that Baby Yoda, he is uh, so great. Like in episode two when he keeps trying to like heal the Mandalorian, but then the Mandalorian keeps looking over and then Baby Yoda has to stop. So cute. It's also like, I mean, it's one of the greatest puppets that I've ever seen. Yeah. All right. What's number five? We're at the halfway point. What do you got? Becoming a God in Central Florida. All right. So as you know, or if you remember, this is my number nine. I'm glad we can talk about it. I knew it was going to be on your list because it was sort of a, like a, a hinty recommendation from you when we were like, is there something that we're missing? And you were like, on becoming a God in Central yeah. Florida. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, a, a I knew a you would like then... it too, because I knew that the setting and the Florida and the eighties and there's just a lot about the show that really, I mean, Kirsten Dunst, I don't think she's done anything in a really long time. And what a cool vehicle for her to come back to the world with. Yeah. I think the last time we saw her was in season two of Fargo. Uh, so this is her second time dipping her foot into this TV world. And man, she kills it like that episode. The first episode of the show, if it does not make you press play on the second episode, something's wrong, man. Like the end of that episode is. Amazing. Oh, my God. Yes. And I don't like, even want to say what it is, because seriously, it's like the premise of the story is what would happen if you were so deep in debt? Based on a uh, pyramid scheme. Or they're now called multi-level marketing organizations or something like that. Right. But, but they're pyramid, pyramid schemes. Scheme. And the characters are really cool. The setting is fun. Um, I just really enjoyed the show. 
You know, it's and it's Kirsten l- Dunst is a badass. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. She is very smart, and she knows what how to get what she needs. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this show is is really good. I don't want to explain anything more. All right, I think that's enough on that yeah, show. Yeah, we, we can't say anything else. You should watch this show. You, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Again, it's on both of our lists. Next up is my second animated show on my list, and it is DC Universe's Harley Quinn. In the States, you can get it on DC Universe, the streaming platform, but we don't have that in Canada, so Adult Swim picked it up. And here's the thing about Harley Quinn. It's Kaylee Coco from The Big Bang Theory going, what do I do next? So she produces this show, stars as Harley Quinn. What would happen if you had Harley Quinn as a star, as a villain, basically as Deadpool? That is like the premise of the show. It is vulgar. It is hilarious. And the animation is kinetic and crazy. It's fantastic. I, it's the first thing I watch every week. Like I go to the TV it's Monday, Sunday night it aired. I watched that first. Like, it is bananas fun. And you've got all these uh, superheroes who are total idiots. And Harley Quinn can outthink them at every... Th- like, the last episode was, how do we outthink Aquaman? It was freaking ridiculously funny. It has no right to be as good as it is. I'm so glad it's on TV. If you have superhero fatigue... The, I mean, obviously, check out The Boys, but check out Harley Quinn because this is recognizable characters that you've known forever in absolutely hilarious, vulgar, every swear word, every like sexual innuendo. It's amazing. You know, it is on my... I haven't seen it yet. It's on my to-watch list. I am definitely going to check it out. I'm glad it's on your list. It's ridiculous. I'm so glad it's there. What is your number four? I don't think it's on your list. I don't even know if you've seen it. Good Omens. Oh, I have not. I am halfway through the book and I just was like, I'm going to finish the book. And then I didn't finish the book and I didn't watch the show. <laughs> um, It's so fun to watch. It's an Amazon Prime series. David Tennant is in it. He is like a demon. And then uh, there is, of course, an angel um, who is played by... Uh, Michael Sheen? Yes, exactly. Michael Sheen. So you've got two extremely well-regarded, famous actors who are leading this series. They're fantastic. Um, Francis McDormand is God. I, I'm clearly I have a theme going on. These are multiple. I have multiple shows where there's a character named God involved. You know how in the Bible they say that the world's going to come to the end because, and then there's going to be like an antichrist and he's going to come to power and all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. The show essentially, or the the content, it's about that. It's the time of the antichrist. You, he is born to the world, and you have these two, this demon and this angel who both like Earth. And they both like what's happening in the world, and they want to prevent the end of the world as we know it and the apocalypse for selfish so, reasons. So the demon who has been on side of like destroying the world is like, no, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. And God is on side of destroying the world, and the angel's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, like, God always wanted to destroy the world. That's why there's a prophecy. You know, eventually it's going to happen. Yeah, that's Um, There's going to be a big war, and during the war, the angels and the devils are all going to fight, and we're going to find out who wins. So that's why God wants this to happen, right? Like, the world and humans are collateral damage to the ultimate war, but this angel and this demon, they like the world. They like the humans, and they don't want their fun in the world to end. Like David Tennant loves being a demon because he likes to cause mischief in the world. I mean, is there no better fun for a demon than being in this world? Exactly. So he's like, why would I want to give up the world? And then what about, uh, what about Michael Sheen? What about like the angel? He just thinks it's cool. He loves the earth. He loves humans. He loves books. He loves having tea and 
enjoying food. These guys are pacifists, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds awesome. Maybe I should just like bite the bullet, say like, whatever, whatever book. I'm not going to finish you. I'm going to watch the show. Um, I know it's like right up my alley. It's it's funny. I love the actors. It's all about like good versus evil in a biblical sense. Like this is a hundred percent up my alley. It is. I always try really hard not to say fantasy elements when we're talking about like the Bible because I don't want to piss anyone off. But it feels yeah, like and and some also like elements. traditionally, I wouldn't say it's like its own genre. Biblical. Right. <laughs> right. It's biblical. It's biblical. Uh, yes, I hope I didn't offend anybody who's who's listening. Uh, my number four is a dark, sad show uh, that I thought was done so well. It was on Netflix, and it's called Unbelievable. And, man, is it on your list? Uh, I haven't watched it, and I don't know if I can watch it. Yeah, it's it's hard. It is all about a woman who... A young woman who someone breaks into her house, sexually assaults her, and she reports it like you should, I think, and then is totally torn apart by the police. It is sick. This is a serial rapist. So they don't listen to her, and it happens again and again and again until it hits the FBI's desk, and they're like, um, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is they they literally find a bunch of photos when they catch this guy. They're like, "Who is this girl? We didn't talk to this girl." And then they find out what happened and it's just like it's the worst case scenario for someone not to be believed and then what happens to her because she's not listened to. I think I actually I thought you were talking about the the show about grief done by that comedian um oh afterlife yes yeah okay we'll talk about that later but i have not heard of this show and it sounds really good well so tony collette is one of the fbi agents you'll notice the girl who is um assaulted right away because it is one of the women from Booksmart. Is it Cat Denver? The one who is not related to Jonah Hill. Yes. It is that one. Ah. And so she is the one who was assaulted. It happens right at the beginning of the, the story. And it's based on true events, but it is not a documentary. It is 100% like an actual drama that is so gut-wrenching to watch because you can't believe this poor girl suffered this. Uh, I take back that I won't see it because that is right up my alley and I absolutely will watch this show. I'm glad it's on your list. Thanks for enlightening me, Jay. I'm so glad to enlighten you. Let's talk about your number three. We are in the top three. Oh my gosh, we're at the top. Okay, well, in a complete departure of tone, my number three is a hilarious HBO comedy called The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, such a good show. Let's talk about it. I'm literally obsessed with this show. I was a little bit sad that I had to watch it week by week. I discovered it, I think, during episode three. So um, I was just, like, so happy that at least I could, like, watch back-to-back the first few. But this is a new Danny McBride vehicle that is a satirical comedy which talks about televangelists. So once again, this is my third show that is biblical <laughs> in some way or or, or shape. Um, but this one is all about the hypocrisy of people who profit from religion and they don't really have, uh, I guess, God in their heart, especially because they're it Christians. It is. So. One of the coolest things I've seen this year. It is insane how much wealth they've accumulated. But, and that's like normal. That's like people who have these Absolutely. televangelists. That's how they live. And and there's just such horrible, horrible people. Like Danny McBride is an awful human being. Um, 
Then he has his brother, Adam Devine, who I love so much. And his like... He is so good in this. He's so perfect for this. And the whole like, um, like homoerotic, like... <laughs> Like, relationship he has with his lackey is the best thing ever, especially because he's completely unaware. You know what I mean? Like, he has no idea what is happening. <laughs> but it but then is. then you have also that sibling rivalry between oh, yeah. Danny McBride and Adam Levine. And then you also have Edie Patterson, who's the third sibling, and she's the girl. So she, like, isn't taken as seriously. And she's. Just horrible. She's so funny and so horrible, and I love her. And then you have their patriarch, which is the dad, um, played by Goodman. John Goodman. And he's, like, grieving his wife, who was his heart. And actually, like, it seems the way they talk about her, who knows in reality, that she, like, is a truly faithful person, but all the rest of them are corrupt. The show is great. It's so much fun to watch. If you want... Something that's really fun to watch and you yourself are not too easily offended by jokes that poke fun at religion, this is the show for you. If you would be really easily offended by someone, you know, poking fun at certain aspects of religion, uh, this is not the show for you. (laughs) No, don't. If you would be easily offended by faith-related programming, this is not. Not for you. Don't watch us. Stay away. Ivana and I are horrible people and found it (laughs) hilarious. Uh, My number three is one you mentioned moments ago, and it is Ricky Gervais's Afterlife. I don't think I can watch it. I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast. I think we probably have because it happened a while ago. But I lost my puppy Marshall this year, and I just don't know that I'm ready to watch anything about grief. Right. So that is what this show is about. It is about, it's very funny, um, but it is about a man who does not care about anything because his wife has just passed by cancer. It is shockingly funny, but also for Ricky Gervais, like really touching. I think I watched the whole show in an afternoon. It came out in April. Nobody I know was talking about this show, Um, but Man, did it resonate with me. It's about how do you move on after you feel that way about something so huge in your life that's missing? Yeah. How does that make you interact with people in the world? And for Ricky Gervais, like he just he's just a total asshole to like everybody. Yeah, I was just going to say, is it mean? Because the one thing about Ricky Gervais that I feel, I don't I don't know how true it is, but like from watching his comedy or like just looking at him. He just seems mean a lot, like a mean person. Like Yes, but when he's mean in the show, like there's a difference between like him looking at somebody and going like, you're absolutely stupid, and him being mean. When he's mean, he is corrected. Like you feel like you're an idiot, and then somebody corrects him for being that way, and mm-hmm. he learns like, he learns the lesson, right? Like it, it, if you're going to have a mean character, they have to be, Put in their place. I feel like that's the opposite of like who he seems to be anyway, who his persona is. Well, yeah, I mean, he is very, he is very opinionated. He certainly comes off as mean when he's hosting the Golden Globes or uh, he just does not care about anything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I would, I would, you know, when you're ready, maybe just watch the first episode. I don't think they're long. They're like half an hour episodes and. Uh, I think I, mean, I got through the thing in an afternoon. When the show came out, it would be the kind of show that I would normally watch. In April, Marshall was very sick. I was not about to watch anything about death and dying. I don't think I'm ready yet either. But and that is totally, totally cool. Um, this is another one of those shows that, I mean, I have some takeaways from 2019's TV show watching. And most of it is, you. I don't need to go on after season one. Like, if you end it right, I'm good. I'm real good. And I just found out that it's got greenlit for a second season. But again, it ends so perfectly. No reason to do it. It's its own little thing and let it be its own little thing. Um, So that's what I'm learning is that I'm really, really into limited series. and, And just that closed loop story 
that sometimes a season gets right. That's that was my big takeaway from 2019. What is your number two? Oh, I'm excited about my number two. I'm. I know it's not on your list for a fact. I don't think my last two are on your list, and I don't think um, your last two are on mine. My number two, I'm pretty sure you didn't like it all, and it is Russian Doll. Oh yeah, totally. Let's talk about it. It's not on my list. I couldn't get into this show. Why is it number two? Number two on yours. Well, I think you gave up on it so quickly you didn't get to see the genius. And I, so it came out last January. Uh, I watched it last January. So it's been a while since I've seen Russian Doll. I didn't, I was trying to make sure that I could like see all the shows I needed to see just to at least see where they would fall on my list at the towards the end of the year plus movies i couldn't rewatch it but i mean this show had me like just enthralled i could not wait to hit the next episode i'd say the perfect amount is you watch 2 to 3 episodes a day max not more than that because there's a lot that comes into play so where you gave up, you saw two episodes? Yeah, I did two episodes. I liked her more in the second episode when she like we find out how obsessed with drugs she is. I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but after that, like, I don't know. I just I just was like, I get the mechanic. I know this mechanic. I've seen this mechanic. I like this mechanic. If you haven't got me in those first two episodes, like The Witcher did not have me. That was one that I thought I'd really be into, but I, I just dull. And I'm like, the I'm best out. TV and shows, I think, like the perfect amount. I understand you're not going to watch every TV show four episodes, but the perfect amount to give a television show is four episodes. If you, because really good TV shows often do not show you what they're actually about until episodes three and four, where that's the tone like one and two can be set up and then three and four is where the show lives and I will say that I found that with Breaking Bad and a lot of like these more introspective thoughtful shows not every show needs the four episodes but The Witcher for example I'm on episode four I think I finished four or five now The Witcher doesn't really become The Witcher until you're there Like, the first two episodes are so setup heavy, they're just introducing things that you don't even know what the show is like yet. All it's doing is, like, defining the world for you. And the same thing happens with this show. Yes, in the first two episodes, I found her charming and I liked the world, so I kept going, but I didn't get into it until about episode four. And then I actually backtracked and made Blake watch all of it with me. So then I rewatched one through four and then we kept going. And the, the difference is that you start off and one and two, you're like, oh, it's like the Groundhog Day, but a TV show. And your first thought, especially at the end of episode two is, oh my gosh, how much more can I take? (laughs) Like, I see how this works in an hour and a half comedy movie, but you're talking about an hour-long series that's going to last like, I forget how many episodes it was, like eight or ten episodes. I'm going to be so bored. But then things change and she changes. And also, yes, you don't really like her in the first episode, but by the end of the show, you love her. And that's where it starts to get interesting. And I don't remember so much of the specifics of the plot or what it was that changed. Well, I mean, I remember one very key thing that happens late in the show. And that's where I'm just going to give it away. Sorry, guys. Spoilers. Skip ahead like 15 seconds if you don't want to know. Um, boop, boop, boop. But it was she meets a guy who's going through the same thing. And they are able to both know that they both die and relive that same day over. So when that happens, then everything changes. But there's a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. So you think at episode two, oh, I know where this is going. The reality is you do not know where this is going. Where it goes is very interesting. And 
even though you don't like her in the beginning and you're fine with her by episode two, you actually like her by the end. You and I offline and on this podcast have battled back and forth on like how many episodes are the right amount of episodes and like four is the right amount. And But when I look at your list of Anna, The Righteous Gemstones, amazing pilot. On Becoming a God in Central Florida, amazing pilot you're in. Stumptown, Unicorn, The Boys, Loudest Voice, Miracle Workers I haven't seen. But like all of these are, they have solid leads that make you want to hit that play. And I like, I'll argue even one of my shows, like undone. You might not like after the first episode, want to go on. I don't know why I did. I see undone as one of those four episodes shows. Like, I don't think you know what undone is until you're probably halfway through it. I think you're right. But I would say that like, all the other ones on my list as well, you can get in off the pilot. So there are very certain shows that you have to go deeper into, but you have to want to keep going. All right. So my number two on my list is, I don't know if you ended up seeing it actually, but uh, my number two is uh, my last animated one on the list. It is called Primal, and it is by the guy who did Samurai Jack. This is Five episodes, 22 minutes an episode, and this is not like normal animation. Uh, first of all, Ivana, did you end up seeing it? Uh, no, I did watch the trailer, but okay. I, I didn't get around to it. It's not like, like it is very traditional animation in the sense that somebody sat there, drew the things, next slide, drew the things, that level of traditional animation. But the animation we see today is very frenzied and very fast pace like think about spider-verse like yes it was a very different kind of animation that we hadn't seen but everything moved at the speed of light they were actually going faster per frame than average just so they could make it more sped up this is not that this is very much a, a show about a caveman who's trying to survive and it moves i mean it moves very well but it, it doesn't have that frenzy craziness um it's very gory there is only grunts and music i mean they're obviously communicating with each other in this uh in this but it's not in a language we understand because again it's it's cavemen it's five episodes i could not turn away from this like i was bawling bawling in this little animated show it's unlike anything I saw this year. And I mean, to have the balls to like throw this up on Adult Swim because it's very gory. Lots and lots of action gore type stuff. But to have the balls to put a show on that's basically like a silent film. But you were enthralled the whole way through because you're living in a world where consequences happen just by being in it. So you never feel safe in any episode. You're like, you're along for the journey, but you do not feel safe. I think it's brilliant. The internet thinks this show is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, Listen, this is better than sliced bread. Everyone thinks it's great. Honestly, I'm more interested to watch Harley Quinn than this. I watched the trailer, you know, just so that I could get a sense of it because I knew I had wanted you knew to it would be on my see list. one episode. You knew it was going to be on my list. I knew it was going to be on your list. Yeah. I also knew that it probably wouldn't make my list. I didn't and and to be honest, I just am not curious or interested in watching someone survive. Like the premise completely that is the, that is does not the grab whole show. me. Survive. That is the show. Exactly. And I feel like it's very clear what the show is, and I just don't want I'm just not that's not a story. It's like Mandalorian goes on these adventures. You don't know anything about him. I don't know that I want to see survival. That's not the thing that I'm interested in at this moment in my life. I'm really into animated stuff. Content that is animated to me is like, I love it. And sometimes animated content is not your cup of tea. I like some animated content is my cup of tea. Some is not. But like, because it's animated is not a draw. Where I think for you it is. Right. right. It is totally a draw for me. Like I literally go into the world and look up, you know, 
what are the best animated series that came out in 2019? Yeah. Obviously, Primal is still sticking at my number two. What is your number one? Definitely not on your list. I don't even know if, if you watched it. I was just so surprised at how watchable this was. Living with myself with Paul Rudd. I forgot. you. This was one of the ones you had told me to watch. And I put it on a list. And I don't know where the list went because I wrote it down actually not in... For the first time in a long time, I put it on an actual sheet. And we <laughs> literally were talking about this because I can't find the sheet. And I'm like, yeah, I think I got all of them. Like, I'm becoming blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, yeah, you're good. And I totally forgot about this. I'm really sorry. I I, I should have watched this. Um, why is it number one of 2019? I think it's a limited series, just so you know. Fantastic. I mean, you've, you've got me at limited. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is. This show was so unexpected. It was fun to watch. Paul Rudd is such a good actor. He's like you always kind of knew he he was a good actor, but like he does he I feel like he's an actor who takes roles that he's like I would like to have fun doing my job of acting and that's how he makes his decisions. So like he gets to play Ant-Man and he's amazing as Ant-Man because Ant-Man is fun to play. He's not taking, he's not one of those actors like where they go, where can I flex my acting muscles most? He's making his decisions based on where do I want to spend the next three months of my life and really get into this character and have a great time. And this show is probably the first show where he Obviously had a good time filming it, but like really you get to see how good of an actor he is, like how actually truly talented he is. I don't even know if I want to explain the premise to you or to anyone, because if you don't know what the show is about, I've, I've I, definitely seen the trailer on Netflix. Like I've, the trailer doesn't tell I've you anything toyed with it, with the idea of him having a better half of himself that is kind of like cloned into existence and now he has both existences living at the same time? Yes, those things are true, but it's not like... The trailer didn't get me and I didn't feel like I really understood what the show was until I started watching it. It's a lot of fun. He's very good. I found... I wanted to watch like... we. I think Blake and I watched it over the course of a week and every night we'd be like, yes, okay, two to three episodes, we're, we're watching this. And then when it ended, I was really sad that it ended. But the ending was also so perfect that it was like, oh, okay, good ending. <laughs> like, uh, Honestly, I, like, I have to watch this show, uh, especially now you saying these things. I can't believe out of all the shows I missed this one, and it's number one on your list. Now I feel really Number terrible. one, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think you've watched my number one. Uh, what it what is, is it? It is Golden Globe winner, Emmy winner, outstanding limited series. Uh, it is Chernobyl. I have. I saw the first two episodes. Okay. So for me, Chernobyl is the relevancy of how a government can lie to its people. See, I don't think that's such an astonishing concept. I think governments to this day have and continue to make such decisions government lies i know it. that's what makes to me the show relevant i'd always known about chernobyl and i'd always known about the site and how the site exists today i didn't realize there were no safeguards to implement after a meltdown and i didn't realize they didn't know what to do after a meltdown like they had no protocol and i guess that was the what safeguards do we have now? Of nuclear power plants? Yeah, like if, if there was a huge, huge meltdown like that, radiation is so dangerous. I don't know what you would do. You wouldn't, what would you do? I mean, this was, this was a plant that was not built properly and was run to a point where with such malpractice that this happened. Hopefully that isn't, that's a warning to all of us to like never push a plant to that point again, they had to somehow submerge this core of uranium 
and all this fusion and I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but like they had to they had to find a way to bury it, but they couldn't get close enough to bury it. So they had to like devise all these ways that all the all the people would go under and dig and all these people who were digging knew that now they have a half life because they're so close to the radiation, but they all did it because they had to get done. It was shocking to me. Like if this happened, they did not know what they would do. And they brought in all these experts to be like, well, what do we do now? How do we contain it? Well, we, we don't. Now you have to hire people to go and shoot dogs around the plant so that a dog doesn't run to a neighboring city and infect children. And like, like, the amount of things they hadn't thought of that they had to then spiral into was shocking. Really didn't like it. You know, I found it extremely offensive that the director decided that Eastern European accents were comical. So he didn't want to. So he thought we should make everyone British, Um, you know, like. Fuck you. As an Eastern European, just because you think my native accent is funny, that doesn't mean it is. It's not a comic situation. And uh, I, I think maybe this just is more surprising to people who didn't grow up in that area. But even the content for me was like, just didn't see what all the hoopla was about. And I was really offended by that director's statements and I really could not get over the accents. I mean, we talked a little bit about it after I'd seen it and uh, about not hiring Eastern European actors and that he thought people would make fun of the accents. So he didn't go with. No, no, no. He thought the accent sounded ridiculous and like Natasha and Boris from. That's not right. That's like a whole different. It's not. He was thinking people make fun of it. He specifically doesn't take them seriously. It would have been interesting to actually keep it in language, to be honest. I just don't think people would have watched it. I I understand why you would do it in English, but you could just have hired Eastern European actors to speak in their Eastern European accents. You don't even have to hire actors who are putting on accents. There are plenty who just have them. And I didn't, uh, I mean, I I saw the show and then we talked about the show and I didn't even realize that was a thing. But it did not, to me, like diminish the accomplishment that that show had showed me and like how moved I was by the show and by the ending. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was it was always, always my number one since I saw it. It's never moved from number one. Maybe for like a day I was like primal could take it, but not really. Episodes one and two did anything for me that felt even remotely groundbreaking. And I did not. I could not continue watching it. All right. So we have a list. We just have to figure out where everything is going to land. Uh, So we have in our top spot, two shows that uh, one I didn't see and one you didn't finish. Um, So I don't know what we're going to do there, but we didn't have as much crossover as I expected. We normally have a lot more crossover. We have, on becoming a god in Central Florida. Yeah, that's that the is only one. It. That's very rare. That's really rare. But this is what I'm saying that we we have difference of opinions. Yeah, but normally we have a lot more agreements. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe when it comes down to movies this year, we'll be more agreeable. So why don't we start with the ones we've seen? From what you've seen. I'm not saying it won't be on the joint list, but I am saying it cannot be number one. But should On Becoming a God in Central Florida be number one because it's actually on both of our lists? Yeah, but like, I really hate it. (laughs) Or does it make sense to go Afterlife than Good Omens because Afterlife on my list is higher than Good Omens is on yours? Like, I feel like I would like Harley Quinn. Okay. Yeah. I think this I think this makes sense. I think this is like a good You know what this is? This is like a good list for someone who has not watched a lot of 2019 television and they're like what do I need to watch? I think this is a good overall list of shows that people should watch. Now, before we reveal the final list, 
just remember everything we've talked about today is like quality television. Number 10, Russian Doll. Number nine, Chernobyl. Number eight, Stumptown. Number seven, Good Omens. Number six, Afterlife. Number five, Living With Myself. Number four, Primal. Number three, On Becoming a God in Central Florida. Number two, The Mandalorian. And the number one best new series of 2019, The Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. Okay. I need to know, did you have any documentary series in your list that you had to like move other stuff down? No, I never rank documentary series, although I do enjoy watching them. So I always, I rank everything. So like, actually my number four is the Imagineering story that was on Disney. Well, I, I haven't seen that one. As far as I'm concerned, the Imagineering story is the best thing on Disney plus. Wow. Um, yeah. A hundred percent the best thing on Disney Plus. And then, you know, then you have the Mandalorian. Things that wouldn't have made it on because they're unscripted or reality based were like leaving Neverland was huge, huge. Oh my this god. Year. So that, was surviving I, R. Kelly. But these are two shows that do not get added to our list. They don't even feel like shows to me in the sense of like I know that they're more than one episode and they're televised, but like they felt like movies. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I had like tidying up with Marie Kondo on my list because I it was the first thing I watched last year and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was at the bottom of your list? I think you should leave with Tim Robinson as well don't as even know what that is. second act. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. I saw like I think an episode it's a sketch comedy show on Netflix that a lot of people think is amazing. And I guess I just didn't get the comedy. Fair enough. Uh, Carol's second act was near the bottom of mine. Um, mm -hmm. So was Project Blue Book, which I kind of thought was going to be really cool because it's like a real life X-Files sort of thing. But yeah, didn't love it. Oh, I don't think I even heard of it. What about scripted? What's your bottom scripted? Uh, my bottom well, would be Project Blue Book. Oh, it's a scripted series. It's oh, not it's a reality series. Television. Yeah, that's not a documentary. It's like an actual oh, series about okay. this guy who like goes and chases down UFOs for the government. Um, but it, it's like on History Channel. Weird. So I, I don't know if it's real based or not, but it's definitely scripted series. Sadly, and I hate to do this, Ivana, but bonding was close to the bottom of my list. That's okay. You didn't like it. I liked it. But, you know, once the – I remember when it came on and I was like, you have to watch this. It was way closer to potentially being my top ten. But then as I watched more things, it just kept going lower and lower. And in I reality – Oh, it's so sad. I have a lot of middle of the road that I still like watch and I enjoy. But they're just middle of the road. Like the Canadian show Hudson and Rex, it's just enjoyable. Like I can put that on. Watch a dog si like solve a crime anytime. It's great. I just wish it was a little bit more fun and lighthearted. You know what I got into was the a couple of the Broken Lizard guys spun off and made a TV series this year called Tacoma FD. I, I, I watch it a lot. Tacoma FD, I have seen every episode. <laughs> and uh, I would say it, it's 100% in my top 20 Definitely. somewhere in there. I'm not Definitely. sure exactly what number this is, but it's it's I want I loved it when you introduced it to me. I was like, I am watching this. Yes. I know nobody else is going to care, but on Disney Plus High School Musical, the musical, the series, probably one of the coolest reboot type of shows I've ever seen where uh, they are filming in the place where they filmed the first high school musical. And it's an actual high school that is not like the high school musical high school they're they're not the wildcats they're not anything and somebody comes to do a uh pr a musical project with the drama club there super silly uh really good music actually sometimes i put on the music from the show and becky's like who sings this this is this is really good and i'm like yeah high school musical <laughs> Okay, what about shows that you didn't get around to watch, but like you were like, ah, damn it, I should have watched this because people well, say. Well, clearly living with myself. <laughs> I wish I had watched more of Watchmen. I, I watched a couple episodes, but I feel like I could have watched a lot more of that. I feel like I watched a ton of TV, but 
I definitely always could watch more TV. But then there's the movies on top of it that you got to watch. Yeah, there's a lot to watch. Uh, for me, I put on The Watchmen, but I didn't even really... I was doing things, so I couldn't even say that I... I don't count it as having watched the first episode. I've heard a lot of things about Euphoria. Um, and obviously Primal, I had intended to watch, but didn't get around to. And Harley Quinn, those are like the ones for me, the big ones. Like I said earlier, by far this year, I did not go back to seasons I loved last year. Like Killing Eve was one of my top shows last year. And I didn't watch season two. You know what? Neither have I, but I still plan to. But I think my plan is to introduce Blake to season one and then season two it up. Uh, second season of you, I argue, is better than season one. See, but this is the thing. I just want my one limited season that wraps itself up and then that's it. You doesn't wrap itself up. I was fine. It she leaves on a cliffhanger. She was dead. We didn't need more. What are, she's alive. That's the end of season one. No, 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 no. Not that girl. The first girl is dead. Yeah, I hated the, the first the girl. One he, I was so happy he when he stalked. killed her. You I was like, can't be happy he killed her. That makes you crazy. I didn't like her character. She was so basic. So she deserved to die? Well, yeah. I mean, in that world. Oh, my God. And that's our show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop on to your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're really feeling generous, you can score us a quick rating or review. Check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you, so we built a website on how to reach us at morethemovies.net. And in case you hate websites, you can email us, hello at morethemovies.net. Find us on Facebook, More The Movies Podcast. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again soon with an all new episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. Watch more.